Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at BLC Plantation. Well, this is one of those exciting times because I get to preach on the wrath of God. But remember this. I'm re- we're going through the book of Romans for you that might be a guest amongst us. And you come here and you expect to be patted on the head and patted on the back. And, and we want to do that like a mom and dad. And so does a pastor. So does a shepherd. But I need to honor God and teach the whole counsel of God. Amen. So if you feel that you can't handle this, I'll close my eyes and you can leave. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, you all stayed, so you were warned ahead of time. Remember, though, when we speak on God's wrath in Romans 1, we are teaching how to live God's way. But there are some people on this planet that refuse to live God's way. They refuse to bow down to him. They refuse to acknowledge him as God. And so the title of this morning's message is, When Man Refuses to Honor God. When Man Refuses to Honor God. Remember now, when we talk about the wrath of God, in verse 18, we'll begin there. We're in chapter 1 of Romans, if you're visiting us online can open up the book of Romans to chapter 1. He's already talked about the good news. The good news that Jesus Christ died on our behalf. Now, when you don't understand that, I always think about when I went into service in 1973 and 74, in the Vietnam era, even though I didn't have to go to war. I think about men and women, moms and dads, uncles and aunts that spill their blood. They died so you and me could live in peace in America, and enjoyed the wonderful blessings that come along with peace. So Jesus died on your behalf, on my behalf, so I would not, so you would not have to suffer God's judgment. Remember, God is long-suffering. Remember, it's about God. Looking at it from God's viewpoint, think about the blimp You're up in the blimp and looking at a football game. You're looking at humanity from God's viewpoint, from God's vantage point. He's looking down on humanity. So I'm sharing what God is seeing. But remember this, because I want to honor God. God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance You see, the bad news is couched between the good news. The bad news is couched between the good news of the gospel. Or the bad news is here to stay. Because some men refuse to bow to the knee of God. Now, Paul began to show in the gospel the great need for the good news. So Paul speaks plainly about the sinfulness of mankind. Unless you and me see our sinfulness, we will see no reason to be saved. 
Quit telling people, you need your ticket to heaven. Why do I need a ticket to heaven? Because of what? Well, Jesus said he'd save you, and he'd take it out. Why do I need Jesus to save me? You need to go all the way back to the garden where a man raised his fist to God and said, I don't want you to be my God. I want to rule my own life. I want to do what I want when I feel like it anytime I want. What's God supposed to do? Okay, have it your way. See, Burger King didn't come up with that all by themselves. They learned that from God. Have it your way. So that's what we're going to hear about in chapter 1 of the book of Romans. You see, preaching against sin is vital in preaching the gospel. The preacher who does not expose and condemn sin in his sermons may be a popular preacher. Do you know some of those? But he will not convince anybody of their need for Jesus Christ if he doesn't preach on sin. So let's look at sin from God's viewpoint. Verse 18. Now, he just got done telling the Romans who he has not even seen, hasn't even visited Rome. He's telling them about the good news of the gospel, and then he switches to saying, but God shows his anger, in many of your translations, it's, but God shows his wrath from heaven against what? All sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, I don't know about you. I saw enough wickedness last year going on in this country. I wish I had a gun that I could zap every one of those people that hurt innocent people. So don't look at God in such a way that, oh God, man, I'm glad he's coming back to wipe out the enemies of God and my enemies and your enemies, aren't you? Man, Paul. Now, Paul used the fear of eternal condemnation was his first motivation he offered to coming to Christ. The first pressure he applied to evil men. He was determined that they understand the reality of being under God's wrath before he offered them the way of escape from it. A person cannot appreciate the wonderful or the wonderful grace of God until he knows about God's perfect demands of the law. He cannot appreciate the fullness of God's love for him until he knows something about the fierceness of God's anger against his sinful failure to perfectly obey the law. He cannot appreciate God's forgiveness until he knows about the eternal consequences of the sins that require a penalty and need forgiving. I don't know about you, but I'm personally kind of tired of people that tell me, please don't use fear to get people into heaven. Let me tell you what, when I was all balled up in a fetus position in a car from almost ODing on drugs, I feared hell. And it was my fear of hell that helped me pay attention to the people that started telling me about Jesus in the big state of Texas. I was a door-to-door salesman. And my ears were wide open. I remember crying out, God, please. I didn't even know who God was. I never had a relationship with him. I wasn't on first name basis with Jesus. I was a heavy partier. 
I only did what the flesh liked. I didn't do anything the kingdom of God thought or taught me to do. I didn't even know there was a kingdom. But all of a sudden, my ears perked up and I started paying attention. Fear drove me to the cross. Listen, Proverbs tells us the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. Another passage that punches this point home. Psalms 2.12 reads, and I've told you this before, and I've demonstrated this to you before. Kiss the son's feet, lest he be angry. I fear God. I mean, listen, in my life, I've had over 30 people chasing me. I ran. I feared people. I've walked out of a bowling alley and had three people trying to beat me up. I fear God. He's powerful. He's almighty. I can't escape his presence. He's everywhere. I can't hide like I did from those 30 people underneath my house in Detroit, Michigan, underneath the porch where the rats and the snakes live. I fear him. I feared my dad. I was raised with five other brothers. And I remember one day we said we could beat up our dad. And he had us in the pool, and he almost drowned every single one of us all by himself. I fear God. And God says, that's pretty smart that you fear me. Matthew 10, 28 says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. God's wrath. By the way, there are different kinds of wrath. There is eternal wrath that I just mentioned. Let me read from Revelation 20.10. See, we need to warn we need to warn our friends and our family members of this awful place, Revelation 20.10. There's eternal wrath. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever. Now I want to remind you, believer, God created hell not for you. He created hell for the devil and his angels. But if you insist on giving him allegiance, you're going to end up in the same place he's at. Matthew 24 reminds us of this particular wrath. It's called eschatological wrath, end time wrath. Or let me first go to, well, let me do that first. Matthew 24, 21 through 22. For there will be great anguish. Then any time since the world began, and it will never be so again. In fact, unless the time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. God's wrath is spelled out in Revelation all over the place, but especially 16.1. And then I heard... A mighty voice from the temple say to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing God's wrath. It's real. There's a cataclysmic type of wrath, like hail, fire, flood. God destroyed the world by a flood. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their immoral activity. That's cataclysmic wrath. 
there's consequential wrath. Whatever you sow, you will reap. And then there's wrath of abandonment that we'll be reading here in this particular passage. Three times he mentions God abandon men over to their sinful desires. We'll look at that in just a second. The wrath of God, the reason why, the wrath of God is coming because we refuse to bow down and honor him as God. It's like someone saying, I refuse to honor my father and mother. Remember what the scripture says, that child is to be killed in the Old Testament. You're refusing to honor God. What does he have left to do but to destroy you? But before we get into his wrath, let me read one passage to remind all you believers. I don't want you to be shaken in your shoes right now because 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 reminds us. Every believer, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're looking in on the television this morning, or you're here this morning, and you're sitting there and you go, I believe in Jesus, and now you're preaching all this stuff, you should be saying, hallelujah, he's freed me from that. I'm not going to receive that judgment. I'm not going to receive his wrath. He says, you are not appointed to his wrath. But because of what Romans 1 is talking about, God's wrath is coming because of the ungodliness, in many of your translations, and wickedness of men. Let's look at verse 18 again. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. God's wrath is coming because there are people on this planet who prevents God's truth from being made known. In other words, people need God. And people and religious leaders are preventing people from knowing God. Think about it. When I was in the military, they gave each one of us a Bible. When I used to travel in hotels, a Bible would be sitting on the nightstand. In our schools, there used to be a Bible course that you had to pass in order to graduate. In the prisons, you were given a Bible, and by hospital beds, Bibles sat. Where are they now? Man, kind, our leaders, and you better find out who they are and quit Mickey Mousing around in the middle. Either God is Jehovah or Baal is Jehovah. Find out who is stripping this planet of their biblical rights. Who wants God out of the school system? Who wants God out of society? Who wants God out of the military? Who does not want God in the social media? Yes, every planet and every single government is crooked and wicked. Yes, when I said planet, I mean it because all the planets are under the curse because of our sin. God's going to usher in new heavens and a new earth. God's wrath is coming because we're blocking, impeding the way to know God. So his wrath is coming upon those people. Those people who prevent the word of God from being in our schools. They also, number two, push 
the obvious revelation from God out of their minds. Let's look at verse 19 and 20. They know the truth about God because he has made it plain and obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. And through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. I hope that answers your question when you ask me or someone else, what about the people over in some jungle in America? Oh, Africa. Does that answer the question? What about Psalms 19? One of my favorite passages in the Bible, one of the top 10 passages that reveal the obvious. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies proclaim or display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for his son or for the son. Abraham Lincoln once said, I can see it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist. But I cannot conceive how we could look up into the heavens and say there is no God. One of the French revolutionaries boasted to a peasant, we're going to pull down all that reminds you of God. Said the peasant dryly, citizen, pull down the stars then. God's wrath is coming because men and women and teachers and professors and leaders are preventing our children and our society from knowing about God and the faith of our fathers. They're preventing. And once again, I want to remind you, a bulletin flash. Find out who's doing the preventing. Everyone is not preventing the gospel from being made known, but some people are. Hmm, I won't say anything else. I hope the message is clear without me having to be clear. Another reason God's wrath is coming upon the planet is because of the perversion. They pervert God's glory. Notice in verse 21. This is why his wrath's coming. Yes, they know God, but they wouldn't worship him as God, even giving him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. They pervert God. I was out on the pickleball court the other day. You like my pickleball stories. But after one hour and a half, I said, does anybody speak English out here? I said, I hear F-bomb, F-F-G-F-E-F, go, Ray, hey, hey, ho. That's what they were doing out there. Every second, I'm not jiving you. I, didn't, I, I don't know if I heard any English out there. I thought I was in a foreign country. <laughs> Perverting the name of God profusively. I remember selling, well, excuse me. I remember cleaning carpets in a house and I witnessed to a man. And he kept saying, GD, GD, GD. And I, I said, sir, 
Do you know almost every time you open up your mouth, what you say? No, I, I didn't realize that. He didn't realize what he was doing with his mouth. They don't even know what they're doing. He ratted on me, called 311, and I just don't send that guy to clean my carpet anymore. I was trying to clean his soul, but he didn't know it. <laughs> Perverting God's glory. They refuse to worship him. Now listen, we live in a real planet with real things going on around us, and I'm permitted to say things without you thinking it's always political. This is political free zone, remember? They refuse to worship him. Does that remind you of something that happened in our country in the last few years? That's helping you understand. I'm making a point. They refuse to acknowledge who the president of the United States was for three to four years. They refuse to acknowledge God. See, see, the, see the comparison? I refuse. I refuse. And they hate that's the exact same picture God wants you and me to see in America today. I refuse to bow down to you, God, even though I know you are Yahweh, creator of heaven and earth, because the scripture tells us he is God. So we got people and professors and preachers that have become fools. Notice in verse 22 and 23. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like a pot-bellied guy sitting on the front porch of someone's house. He has a name. Starts with a B. Ends in an A. So instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Men enthroned human reasoning and dethrone divine revelation. Let me say that one more time. This is what's happening in our society. Just think of all these professors. You send your kids to hear these so-called smart professors, and God calls them fools. Yes, in high school, and yes, in college, trying to convince you that you came from rocks. I still like that illustration when the atheist said, and you may believe that all these kinds of dogs came from two rocks? I said, well, let me ask you a question. You mean to tell me you believe that these, all these animals came from two rocks? And I believe all these two animals came from two dogs. Which one's more foolish? Men enthrone human reasoning and dethrone divine revelation. And one result is the worship by man of his own ideas. And another is the worship of idols. Some bow at the feet of an idol. Others worship at the shrine, uh, the, the shrine of an idea. See, we, we think we're more advanced and we don't bow down to those things. But we do. Now, Paul depicts the, the downward steps into paganism. First, there's a willful blindness, a deliberate rejection of the truth. <laughs> you know all about that. I know all about that even after coming to Christ. We know what God says is sin, and yet we still got to dibble-dabble dibble -dabble in it just like a child. When a mom or dad says, don't do this, we, they still want to be defiant and do it. So we know what it's like to be willfully 
rejecting truth. Then it's followed by the wicked beliefs of either a rationalistic or religious nature. And then these in turn lead to disapproved behavior. So you see, God's wrath is being revealed. You're seeing things from God's viewpoint. My wrath is coming upon and is already here upon people who prevent the truth of God from being made known, who push out the obvious, who pervert my name and refuse to bow down to me. They have become fools. And so here's what God does. The wrath of God is seen in abandonment. Three times in 24 through 32, you will see the word abandonment. Abandonment in many of your translations. Some of your other translations will have other words. Let's look at 24 through 32. This gets to the heart of the problem. This is what most preachers skip. They refuse to preach on these things. So God, here it is, abandoned. Some of your other translations says what? Delivered them? Gave them up. Okay. So God abandoned them. These people that we just described that his wrath is coming upon to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who was worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them. There it is, number two. God abandoned them to their shameful desires. This is the second abandonment we'll talk about. Here's what he abandoned them to. Even the woman turned against the natural ways to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal relations, sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of the sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserve. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, here it is again, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. We'll get to that in just a second. So we'll get back to verse 24 and begin to see about abandonment. Three times, God says in these passages, he's, his wrath of abandonment is now present. In Judges 10, 13 through 14, God reminds us that you have abandoned me and served other gods. Could be God of money. God of sports, God of entertainment, you fill in the blank. Go on and cry out to the gods you've chosen. Let them rescue you in your hour of distress. It's amazing, even as a heathen, how we will cry out to God. In Revelation says they won't, they actually called out for the rocks to kill them and they couldn't die. Hide us from the face of God and the wrath of God. Of the religious leaders who were supposed to point people to God, here's what Jesus said in Matthew 15, 14, to his apostles about the Pharisees. Let them alone, abandon them. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall in the ditch. 
I don't know about you, but it's a frightening thing to think that God would abandon you or me. The closest illustration I can think about was the first real Superman in the Bible. Who was that guy? Samson. And uh, you remember how he was the judge in Israel before the kingdom was set up, the kingdom of Israel. And they had all kinds of judges. And God gave him supernatural Superman strength. But he indulged in too much sin, and he dated sinful girls and tried to marry sinful girls that didn't know God. And then he met his match in Delilah. You probably know the story very well, where she nagged him and nagged him and nagged him and nagged him. Never nag your husbands, please. Till finally... He cried, uncle, maybe some of you want that to happen. And he didn't think about the source of his strength being his hair. And the, came in and they cut his hair and he lost his power. He got up to destroy the Philistines like he always used to. Now, I'm making a long story short. And he found out that God had abandoned him. They poked out his eyes. They tied him to a crusher that was designed for mules. And that's what he did until the day he died. There's another part of that story I won't share with you at this moment. God abandoned him. Do you remember Saul, the first king of Israel? Spirit of God was upon him. God abandoned Saul because he refused to obey God. There comes a time in our life where God abandons you because you did exactly what we just read about. You refuse the evidence. You refuse the conviction of the Holy Spirit. There are men and women that used to grip the pews like this because the Holy Spirit convicted them so much of their sin and their rebellion, but they refused to let go and cry uncle and say, God, I give up. I'm a sinner. And God had abandoned them. Some believe that is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's a big line of argument, a theological argument, whether you can even commit the unpardonable sin today. But if you will, many theologians believe that you can reject away the day of your salvation. You can keep rejecting and rejecting the Holy Spirit, and then you're abandoned and left to your wicked devices Here's what those wicked devices are. You'll be familiar with them. Let's look at verse 24 again and 25. So God abandoned them, these people that didn't want to bow to God, down to God, that prevented the truth from being made known, that perverted his name, worshipped idols. He said, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. So one of man's, mankind's corruption to which God actively let people go was to sexual Recklessness. Now, I was thinking about how the Bible, again, you had to take the Bible as a course in school. And once a group of people belonging to a certain party decided to get God out of the schools, to allow abortion, to go ahead 
and take prayer out of the schools, the sexual revolution began. You reject me, I'm going to give you over to your wicked, corrupt mind. Sexual recklessness, fornication, the frequency of live-in lovers, wife swapping, group sex parties, pornography, entertainment. By the way, according to George Bonner research, 70% of the people sitting in the pews are struggling with pornography. Entertainment laced with sexuality and sensuality. Sex trafficking, pedophilia that is rampant today only confirms the result of God's abandonment. So you see that in the public arena? It's because God has abandoned us to that and its destruction and its decay. <laughs> wow, be careful what you ask for. You, God said he gave them over to their heart's desire. And you know the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. My heart is thought some, I wouldn't want on the screen what I've thought at times, would you? Man, I wouldn't, I said, God, thank you, I'm not God. <laughs> or that person that almost caught me off would have been dead. Or the person that gave me a dirter look, I would have his face rearranged. I mean, just think if you were God and you got the desires of your heart. God said, I've abandoned them to the desires of their heart. No wonder why there's so much wickedness. And we saw it on display on television, just like people are going to see those two witnesses on television do miracles, die, and rise again right in front of them. We saw the wickedness on display. They, the devil has taken off his mask and he's going, Bleh! right in front of our very eyes. We're seeing the abandonment to do whatever their hearts desire. They worship the body. By the way, if you ever go on pornography, I'm not saying you should. But if you ever see any advertisements, a lot of the girls will say, worship me. Worship me. Bow down to me. Man has bowed down to the creature and to the body and worships the body. It saturates our community, our entertainment, our lives, and even in our school systems, they teach this perversion. The second abandonment is sexual perversion. Notice in 26 and 27 again. So you're familiar as I'm familiar with the sexual promiscuity and what's going on in our country. By the way, um, People don't have a problem with what's coming up next. Let's read it. This is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the woman turned against natural way to have sex instead of indulging in sex with each other. And the man, instead of having normal sexual relationship with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserve. They don't, our problem is not with homosexuality. The problem is with the Bible. Do you see the difference? The problem is they don't believe what God said. By the way, I want to be very sensitive because most of us now in America have family members or friends who are engaged in this activity. Now remember, all sin is wrong, but God is showing you and me the progression of refusing to worship him and believe in him and preventing the truth from being made known. He shows you exactly what's happening 
and we see it being displayed before our very eyes in America. But we want to be sensitive and understand that God does not hate the sinner. He hates the sin that anybody is engaged in. But you start down this slippery slope and you're abandoned to that. You could come to the point of no return. According to Pew Research, more than 54% of American Christians say we should accept homosexuality. 83% of those who are not religious believe we should accept it. Do you see how it's creeped into our churches and into our denominations? And churches and denominations are divided over this issue. It's not the issue. It's God's word. His word is infallible. There is no error in God's word. Now, I understand only the original scriptures were errorless. But I believe when Jesus said he holds the world together by his word, I don't believe that man is going to be able to tinker with the truths that God wanted us to know about himself. And we've proved that by finding the Dead Sea Scrolls. How the whole book of Isaiah is almost completely intact. Putting a hole in the myth that if you pass down things from one person to the next, it destroys the truth. Well, the Dead Sea Scrolls prove that wrong. In the United States, those who have abandoned themselves to these fearful vices are now banding together and demanding public recognition for their perverted way of life. The pornography or the pornographic press is circulating millions of pieces of literature every year which offbeat sex is the theme. Stories and feature articles reporting the activities of this segment of society becoming increasingly common in even respectable periodicals. God's wrath is seen in his abandoning man to fornication and to sexual perversion. There is hope. But there's one more abandonment that God talks about, and it begins to include the other list of things that will happen when a man or woman abandons God or a society abandons God. Notice from God's viewpoint, here's what he sees, beginning in verse 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, we know that. It's all in our school systems, right? In our media, they don't want any. They didn't want anything about God to be on the airwaves. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Then he gives a list of about 20 things that should never be done. And so you may say, well, I am not a sexual pervert and I haven't done these things that you're talking about. But well, let's look at this list and see if we're not all guilty thereby proclaiming God truthful and all men a liar when God says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every government, every person, every king, every president, every human being at the sound of my voice has sinned and failed. Let's look at what that list is and why God's wrath is coming upon and is here already, America. Here's what he said. Their lives... Those who I've abandoned. 
become full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, breaking their promises. They are heartless and they have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do such things deserve to die, but they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them also. You know, this isn't one of my favorite subjects to preach on. And uh, I'm not worried about whether I'm popular, especially at this age, anymore. And neither do I want to be crude or rude or mean. And neither does the Apostle Paul, and neither does God. He's explaining this so you understand God's attitude about sin that we Mickey Mouse around with so easily. He wants you to understand what's going to happen. But throughout the rest of the book of Romans, he provides hope to all of us who live this way. Fornication, immorality is the moral standard of our society. Wickedness, hostile to good. Covetousness, greed, seen in gambling and those who max out their credit cards and borrow more than they can pay back. Maliciousness, the desire to injure. We saw that on display this past year. Envy, hateful attitudes toward those who are better than you. Christ was crucified because of envy. Murder, abortion belongs right at the top of this. Quarreling, debating. They love strife, contentious. Many churches, by the way, are like this. Deceit, a way of life for many merchants, especially I won't mention the trade. Malicious behavior, habitually mischievous. Gossipers, secretly slandering people. Backbiters, openly slandering. Haters of God, blaming God for one's troubles and for the troubles of mankind. Isn't it funny out in that pickleball court, I don't hear, gosh, blank Satan. You never hear that. How come he doesn't get any blame? How come he gets away scot-free? Don't you feel sometimes as a person, how come I get all the blame? How come God gets all the blame? When the Bible says clearly, Satan is the liar, the deceiver, the murderer. Next time you hurt yourself, say, stupid Satan, you fool. Let it all come out. Feel good. (laughs) Joel Osteen, that's the time to feel good. Well, sometimes I use a teeny bit of humor, guys, only because of the seriousness of what's happening here. They are persisting in sin, and they're encouraging others to sin. That's why when someone's sinning, they naturally surround themselves with other sinners because they feel good about themselves, and they want others to participate in their sin. God's wrath is coming up on those who refuse, refuse to honor him, obey him, love him, bow down to him. (laughs) I would bow now before it's too late. I'll read you a passage 
as we're concluding, Revelation 20 tells us something about what Romans 1 says. They deserve to die. Those that do these things deserve to die. I knew I deserved to die. You read in scripture where someone comes under judgment. They know they deserve that. And here's what Revelation 20, 12 through 15 says. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. Picture it. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and this is what is never preached on. People think they can escape pain and agony by dying in this life, but the scripture says there's something more awful than death and that's the second death where the grave and your body will be cast in the eternal lake of fire is there any hope I don't want to leave without and neither does God and neither does the apostle Paul yes that's why Paul wrote the letter to the Romans but he started off with the bad news first you ever have someone say you want the good news or the bad news I always ask him to say the bad news first Paul told him the bad news. But he did say in Romans, whoever calls on God will be saved. And I remember falling behind a gas station and saying, God, save me. And my life miraculously changed. Oh, how I hunger and thirst to see men and women broken of their sin once again. To see the activity of the Holy Spirit instead of trying to beg people down the aisle. Grab them and say, please ask Jesus in your heart right now. And they, okay, I will. And, and then they walk off and there's no change in their lives. Let me tell you what, there's a radical change when God saves you. And then he said in Psalms 81, 11 through 16, but know my people who wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around. Is that what you're saying? So I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Be careful what you ask for. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me and walk in my path. How quickly, listen, hear God. It's about God. It's about him. Hear him. How quickly. God would say, I will come to them and subdue their enemies, your personal enemies, our enemies. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him. They would be doomed forever. But I will feed you with the finest wheat. I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. So God is saying to you and me, there is hope. Now, this may not be the most pleasant sermon you've ever heard. And don't persecute the messenger that delivers the message like they did all the prophets. As you know, they killed almost all the prophets. Jesus told them that. And a lot of people don't want to teach the truth. But I don't know about you, but I wanted every one of my children to know the truth from two years old, three years old, five years old, six years old, seven years old, because I didn't know how long they would live. I had no idea. You have no guarantee in your pocket to show me how long you're going to live. 
and I wanted my kids to know about Jesus Christ. I wanted them to avoid this awful place. I want my neighbors and my friends to avoid this awful place. I want to tell them about good news, but a lot of them won't let me tell them the good news. A lot of your friends and family members don't want to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And that breaks our hearts because we know their destiny. But don't give up. Someone didn't give up on me. Someone didn't give up on you. Don't give up on praying for your neighbors and your family members. If you're here today and you're looking in online and you believe you cannot answer that question that Jacob asked earlier. If I died tonight, what would happen to me? What would happen to you? I know for sure that if I die tonight, I will be in eternity with God because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. I did nothing. He did everything. If you will put your faith in Jesus, that he took your wrath, your punishment, he will forgive you. God will accept you on his behalf, not because you're religious, not because you go to church, but on Christ's behalf, God will let you in if you'll love his son, if you'll obey him. And if you would like to do that, just go to the comment section online and there's a little tag there. Tell us, I have received Christ or I want to receive Christ. If you're here, there's a possibility. Someone's here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior. And if you died this very second, you know there's a God. You will spend eternity in hell forever. You can block it out. You can do everything you want to. And finally, God will give you over to your thinking. But I wouldn't do that if I were you. I would not want to be abandoned by God and still live on this planet. Would you stand with me at this time? Has it been good to be in God's house this morning? We're going to pray and we're going to sing. We're going to ask some people to come forward to pray that God will make this a soul winning church. We're going to pray that God will break men and women's heart, teenagers' heart about their sin. We want to see people get saved and baptized. Amen. Father, take the message, please, and apply it to the hearts. We're, we're, we're leaning on the Holy Spirit to do the work that I cannot do, that we cannot do with our neighbors and our friends. Please raise up Victory Life Church to be a soul winning church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.